This week on the No More Late Fees podcast, Jackie and I are joined by actress Nicole Bilderback. We're super excited that she agreed to join us. You definitely know Nicole from her role as Whitney in Bring It On, as well as her roles in Clueless, Can't Hardly Wait, and guest appearances on Dark Angel, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dawson's Creek, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. This is a fun episode, so buckle in. So excited. How excited are you, Dave? I am so beyond excited. She is one of those actresses that just is very defining in the 90s and 2000s for me. It seems like she she was on some of our most prolific um, movies. And so I I was very stoked that you reached out and she said yes. And so, You mean stopped? Oh. <laughs> I did what I had to done? do. I did what I had to do and it's well worth it. So yes. check out our episode with Nicole. I miss Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. I don't think we realized how much we missed Blockbuster until like it started to become kind of nostalgic. And then we saw that documentary, The Last Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that just that hit right here. <laughs> oh, I, I, I did not I did not see it. However, I, I've heard a lot about it and I'm sure it would hit home with me as well. Yes. It, it definitely did. We we were lucky enough to interview the director of the movie and, you know, just his insight of actually going to the last blockbuster that's in Oregon and, and just hearing kind of like what caused the downfall. Everybody thinks it's Netflix, but it was really just some awful um, business decisions. So that was interesting really? too. Yeah. 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 That's shocking real, actually. Really dumb, dumb decisions. Remember when they were saying no more late fees? That was like, <laughs> that was like the nail in the coffin for them. Yes. That was not good. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hence your no more late fees. I'm assuming, exactly. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so fun. So we were so excited that you came on because we just did our bring it on episode and we had been waiting <laughs> Jackie makes fun of me because there's just like a certain handful of movies that I'm like, they're special occasions. And so I picked it for my birthday movie and we were really excited to do it. Yeah. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Yeah. You know, what's funny about Bring It On is that is, well, Bring It On and, and Clueless, just because they, it turns out they ended up being, I mean, they, they literally stand the test of time. I mean, yeah. it's, they, I know. I mean, Bring It On is pretty much just as popular now as it was back when it was released. Yeah. And it covers three generations, you know, Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z. And I mean, I've met 10-year-olds who, <laughs> oh my God, it's my favorite movie. And I'm like, you weren't even born yet when yeah. I when I came out, you know? And <laughs> But it's it's crazy. I mean, I meet, you know, dads in their 40s, 50s, you know, because they have daughters or they saw the movie themselves when it came out. Right. And, and it's, it's, I mean, the, there is no, it's literally the biggest demographic, but it's because they're timeless movies, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So it's, it's really kind of special. I mean, if you know how to pick them, you know how to pick them. I mean, I the fact that you are in like, those are the two quintessential movies, really. I mean, maybe Mean Girls and Legally oh, Blonde, love mean Girls. <laughs> but those were like, everybody quotes those movies and it, yeah. it goes beyond just being teen movies I guess you could say like you said yeah. the, the, but you were in both of them that is amazing how does it 
did it when did it hit you that like okay so first you did clueless let's back up to mm-hmm. clueless when you were on you know filming did you know while you guys were filming that it was going to be such a phenomenon phenomenon i can't say words today <laughs> you know, no, it's okay I, I, I go, <laughs> i'm sure that'll happen to me too you know what's funny is is when we were okay imagine reading clueless the script right. you know on paper <laughs> And of course, I knew who Amy Heckling was, you know, because I knew she was, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I knew she was kind of iconic in that sense. But, you know, when you're reading, I mean, I was a baby. I had only lived in in L.A. for God, like maybe a year, year and a half when I before I got Clueless, which was my very first movie ever. And I remember reading the script. I know. Great first movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So reading the script on paper and reading, you know, dialogue that says, you know, what? Ever, you know, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't necessarily, and of course, I, you know, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, right? You know, so I, I wasn't, you know, I, trying to make the connection between the Beverly Hills lingo and, and all. I, I, it was, it just, it, it was, it was funny, but I was like, I'm like, what is this, you know? <laughs> and then it wasn't until the table read, but right before we started shooting, we had a big cast and crew table read. And then I was like, oh, and I got to feel the energy and the flow and, and see all the other actors say their lines. And um, then I was like, okay, this is going to work. And then when you're shooting it, you're just having fun and enjoying yourself. And, and nobody really anticipates just how massive Clueless was going to be. I mean, it was number one at the box office. Yeah. I vivid, like, we joke on this podcast that my memory is not great all the time, but there are a few movies where I remember like watching the movie in the theater and my mom took me to see it. And it's just one of those movies, like as you're watching it, you know, it's just, it just changes everything. It changed. I felt like it changed my life. Like something about that movie. Well, I know what it was. I mean, obviously it was a teen movie, loved that. But the fact of the character Dion, for me, to be able to see in a teen movie, a Black lead, and she wasn't just like Cher's friend, like she had her own storyline. She was just as fabulous as Cher. It, Mm -hmm. It was amazing. And the entire cast was, you know, multicultural and that was like ahead of its time because it just didn't happen that often, you know? It, it didn't happen at all. Yeah. You know, back then. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I relate to you and thank you for sharing that because, you know, I've had a lot of, whether, whether it's, it's other Asian American actors in the industry or total strangers that I'll, I'll see at a restaurant or, you know, somewhere and they'll literally walk up to me in public and just say, they're like, oh my God, you were the only representation I had growing up, you know, and, and, and like, and I would always get, you know, get emotional hearing that they're like, there was no other Asian Americans. And what I mean by that is, is people who look like me, but playing American roles, you right. know, with, I, I didn't do characters that had, you know, accents or I wasn't always just the, you know, just the, the small, you know, supporting role or, you know, fresh off the boat roles or very, you know, owned, owned a, a liquor store or laundromat. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's for me personally, I, I didn't have any representation. Yeah. I had none. I had zero, no one. I mean, the only actors I would see in movies and TV shows, again, had, they either had accents right. or they had very, very small roles. Like they were just a quick little co-star or just two lines or, you know, they were a lot older, 
I never really saw them just be Asian American and just exist, you know, as, as normal in, in a storyline. Yeah. And uh, so that, so hearing that from total strangers is just everything. That's amazing. And, and it is amazing that you, you had so many of those roles, which was fantastic. Like, you know, it was funny because I was at my birthday dinner showing my family, like who we were going to have on the show. And usually my mom doesn't remember anybody. And she was oh, like, my mom's oh. just like that. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they like everybody at the table recognized who you were by me just showing your picture. So it's just like, oh. you know, you didn't have the biggest role, like in can't hardly wait, but you're memorable, you know? And oh yeah. Even in clueless, like we know the co- character, it, was it summer? summer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we knew who she was. Yeah. It, it just, you stood out and that was, and you just had that screen presence, which was so fun. And especially with Whitney. Oh my God. You know, pe- people ask me, you know, what do you think out of your entire career? Cause I've been doing this almost, almost 30 years now. And, and people ask me, you know, what, what would you say? What's the one job that you get recognized the most for? And I'd probably have to say, bring it on. It's probably Whitney. Yeah. And, and, and I'm fine with that. I'm like, great. <laughs> <laughs> you just had such great chemistry too with, with, with Claire. Yeah. Claire Kramer. With Claire. And I was going to say Courtney, Courtney but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they're both right. Your yeah. both answers are right. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like you guys were best friends yeah. and Jackie said on the podcast that you guys were equal opportunity haters, which like, (laughs) it was like, it didn't matter. Like one of my favorite scenes in bring it on is when Courtney is about to fight the little girl at regionals. (laughs) It just cracks me up every time. And like, you could feel her passion. She wanted to go after that girl. Claire played totally. that so straight. Like she looked like she was going to fight this child. And I mean, okay, number one, who, like, who does that? Like, who right. does that to a child? But number two, come on, the little child oh, yes. did not give a you know what. No. Like, all right, girl, let's go, you know? And I love that you're like trying to pull her back, but then you guys end up fighting. It's I just, it's just chaos, but so much fun. And again, the movie, obviously there's so many main care everybody felt like they had the moment to shine mm-hmm. you know yeah. like it wasn't just a true like, ensemble okay. cast yeah. it really exactly. was and yeah. you guys definitely had your moments I saw your post where someone found that you guys had matching backpacks never realized that the whole time and it's super yeah. cute <laughs> is that not the funniest it well, it's the, that's one of those things that like I don't I mean I'm sure I knew it at the time because I'm sure props you know and wardrobe that was planned and I and and I vaguely remember that going oh of course I would have matching backpacks but it's something like that that you forget all yeah. these years later so when I saw that post I was like oh my god we did have matching backpacks <laughs> like, and post <laughs> did you originally did you originally ad- audition for for Whitney or was it kind of like I heard that some people auditioned just for Torrance and then they got other parts like yeah. how did that go I, I know. Yeah. I originally auditioned for Whitney and it's funny because Whitney's character description was, they did actually specified Asian. They wanted Asian American, but they, but the joke of her was it is she originally had like platinum blonde hair and tan, tan, t- like really super tan. So when we, when it came to shooting or actually during when we were, we had like four weeks of, of, 
of pre-prep. We call it four weeks of cheer boot camp, which is literally what it was because we had to learn all the routines and, 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 you know, do all the stunts and all that stuff. So, but during that time, they actually paid for me to tan, but then decided against not bleaching my hair, which kind of probably a good thing that they didn't bleach my hair. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah. And so then it just looks like I'm just really tan in the movie. So, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, they know they could have gone without both, but, right. um, but yeah, but I mean, that's, but it's LA, it's Southern, oh, it's Southern California. And yeah. you know, you're going to, they care about that stuff. I cared about that stuff at that age, you know? So <laughs> another one of my like favorite subtle things in clueless that you did was when Summer is getting in the car after the holiday party and she has a lit oh. snowman in her seat. It it's just like mm-hmm. it's so perfect. And it's a blink and if you and you miss it. But every time I watch clues, it's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say blink and you miss it. However, people come up to me and say that to me all the time. <laughs> Even to this day, like that was always a thing back when the movie first came out. But like, even to this day, they're like, the best is that you're stealing a snowman that is still lit up and it's in your car. And I'm like, well, of of course we are. Like, right? Why wouldn't we be? We're not going to steal one that's not lit up. That's boring. How amazing is that? Isn't that so funny? I love that. It's just crazy. The cast chemistry on both Bring It On and Clueless, it just seemed like you guys were all friends and just tight knit and that you were having a, a blast, you know? Um, yeah. And both of your leads, it, you know, with Alicia Silverstone and with Kirsten, they were both playing actual teenagers, which is still blows my mind because that never happened. <laughs> Happens. I know. Oh no, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Usually, usually you want to get actors, you know, that are 18 and over, you know, to play younger just for working reasons, you know, for, right. just because it makes it easier on the schedule. They can stay longer on sets and, you know, don't have to necessarily worry about tutors for school and yada, yada, yada. So, but yeah, but, you know, Kirsten was really, I think she was 16, 17 when we did, when we shot yeah. Bring It On. And, and Alicia was, she, God, she was young too. I forgot. She was, she was, I don't even know how old she 15. was. 15. I think she was, she was 15 or 16. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh I mean, heck, what am I talking about? I was young. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I think it was like 18 or 19 when we shot that movie, but, but yeah, but goodness gracious. But yeah, but you don't really see that, that often. You just no. see actors who are in their twenties, you know, playing 16 and I, I was watching Never Have I Ever and the guy who plays Paxton on that show on Netflix, he's like 30 years old. And when I found that out, then I was torn because like the girl who plays the main role is actually she when she started, I think she wasn't 18 yet. And so it's like it's really oh, hard to ship ship this to these two but I really do like him better than the other guy yeah uh. <laughs> you're like I have to admit I do like him yeah, yeah. <laughs> look here here's what I say as an actor like I don't care how old you are if you look the part if you look yeah. the age that's work that's yeah. work yeah. for us you know so, so true. And I think that happens more with minority actors more than anything, especially like I always see black actors and they're like 30 when they're playing a teenage role, but it's just like, what can I get? 
mm-hmm. what can what's available yeah. to me and and you take take it and you make it your own and you do what you have to do you know Absolutely. black don't crack asian don't yeah. raisin it's right? a it's real true. thing it's so true <laughs> i'm so glad you said it because i wanted to say it so bad I was like, no, I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna let her say it i have a feeling she's gonna deliver yeah. i'm just gonna hold off <laughs> how did you get into acting Oh gosh. So I, so I grew up a dancer my whole life. And it's so funny because when I was younger, I used to like, when I be in my living room watching, and I'm going to age myself, but I'd be watching like, you know, Cosby show or family ties. Who's the boss, you know? And, and I would act out scenes from all my favorite TV shows that, that I would watch. And, and then of course, like my, my parents would walk in the living room or my brothers would walk in like, Nick, who are you talking to? Like, <laughs> no, I'm acting out a scene from growing pains, you know? And so, so I always had this, this feeling, I always felt, you know, drawn to acting. And then I think it was in, I think I was 15 when I was in theater class and we had a special guest speaker who was the owner of an acting school, a TV and film acting school that came just to, you know, be a special guest speaker in my theater class. And then I went home that day. I was like, mom, I got to take these these acting classes, it's TV and film acting classes. And I convinced her and then I ended up taking, I ended up going to the acting school. And, and then I had always known though, that I was going to move to LA ever since I was really young. I knew I was going to move to LA right after high school. And I'm very blessed to have parents who were supportive of that, who said, go after your dreams. You know, you, you live once you got to go after, you got to go after what you love. You know, college will always be there. You can always go back if you want. But like they, you know, and it's so unsuspecting because, you know, I, you know, come from a very, you know, sort of, I'm from Texas, you know, very old fashioned Southern Texas, you know, good old Christian values and mom's like really Catholic, you know, and, (laughs) and, and so you wouldn't think that my parents would, would be the kind of people who would let their youngest child and only daughter move to Los Angeles right after high school. But but I think, I think it felt right for everyone. I just felt it's what needed to happen. And it was my journey and my parents, I just got really lucky. They just supported that and still do today, believe it or not. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. After you got clueless, did you move to California or did you go back and forth between California and Texas? No, I had already lived in LA. Okay. So my, my parents had moved me out and I already had a roommate from my acting school in Dallas. So we moved out together and we were roommates. And then so I I lived, I mean, God, I got clueless. I only lived in LA for like a year or a year and a half before I got clueless. Oh wow. And so I'm I was already living in in Los Angeles. That's amazing. That's that yeah, worked out perfect. <laughs> tell me a t- it's so funny. What God, when you're young, you know, you don't really realize the, you know, how incredible it is to to be able to start working so quickly as as I did. Yeah. Because I was just happy to be out here and and you know, and just was like, oh my God, but I didn't realize to what level of how big Clueless was going to be at the time. And then now you look back and you just go, wow, man, a higher forces that be, you know, were on my side. <laughs> like it, it was, <laughs> you have to, to some degree, believe in that everything happens for a reason, you know? So I think that with those two movies, I mean, they're timeless stories, obviously. Yeah. I think with Bring It On, it was able to tackle appropriation in a way that was easily digestible for most people and and it didn't gloss over the hard stuff Uh, so I think even with Clueless and the cast 
it just, I, I feel like if you invest in diversity, it does give you a long lasting story, you know, and people will resonate with it years after, which is just, it still blows my mind that it's still such a hard concept for Hollywood to like grasp, you it, know? Isn't it fascinating though? Like you think about it, this was back, you know, God, Clueless was, we shot it in 94, it was released in 95. And Bring It On, we shot it in 99. It was released in 2000. And you think about it and you're like, this was back then. This was well over 20 years ago, both movies. And and you're like, my God, like I think about it and I go, I wonder, like that just goes to show you how cool, like people like Amy Heckerling yeah. and, 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 you know, Je- Jessica Bettinger who wrote Bring It On, you know, it's like you sit there and you go, good for them like you know yeah. just just for seeing already seeing outside the box and i do believe that there absolutely have been creatives this whole time that have been trying to move diverse casting along and you know equality along but of course them too having be, be being rejected a lot for yeah no we need to hire white for all these you know it's, it's right. just the industry itself and and normalizing people who look like you and I in lead roles, not just in the friend roles, but in mm-hmm. lead roles yeah. was just not, it just wasn't a thing back then, you know? Yeah. We're, you know, in this process of doing the podcast, we're learning so much. There's some movies that were just shocked that people didn't really even think about it. They just made a very diverse movie and it just ended up happening. Or sometimes like what we just did drumline, And it took so long to greenlight that movie. And then when they finally did, I think it was like the difference between two to $3 million to bump up the budget. And they wouldn't do it unless they added a white cast member to the movie because they didn't, you know, they originally looked at it as not being a black movie, but it just was a movie that happened to have Mm -hmm. black people in it. Right. That's it. You know, and like, guess what? Story. And that storyline, yeah. yeah, it's telling a story, but guess what? That storyline is actually normal in the rest, you know, in this whole country. Right. Like it's, yeah. that's everyday thing, but goes to show you how crazy, like how insane, because, you know, to, to big studio executives and, you know, the people who care about, of course, the money, the money making and the profit from, you know, they care about box office sales and things like that. It's, you sit there and you go, do you, how, do you not, like, I understand you need to make money and you need certain names and you need, you know, what I, I, I get the marketing of that, but you do realize that, you know, a movie like drumline, like this is normal everywhere in America. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Like it's okay to rel- to make a movie about this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it's at this point now where we know it's just kind of like a joke. You can't say it's not going to make money because it's been proven not, not just once, but a, a few t- hundred times over. And yeah. that speaks to not just like diversity with ethnicity and race, but like women, you yeah. know, like labeling yeah. every female led movie as a chick flick or that or female story, right? Like yeah. the female stories yeah. cannot be digested by just, you know, anybody, but females, like it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, just show you that all these narratives, these societal narratives that, you know, that we, that have been created and that are out there, especially in media, when promoting these TV shows and movies, how much, how much it's, you know, I mean, look, look at what it's helped, you know, perpetuate out there, you know, all these, these false beliefs. And it's like how we as a society have 
been, whether it's subconscious or consciously been contributing to it and not even, you know, not, maybe not even necessarily intending to, but it's just, you know, it's the way. So I'm glad that now finally that, you know, we're starting to break down those, you know, those, all those, you know, falsities that we've literally, the industry has been living within for so many, well, actually ever since the entertainment industry started. (laughs) I mean, really, you know, it's, it's funny when you go, I was, I, I was watching a documentary that when movies first started, it was actually quite diverse because they didn't think it was like a real thing right like before it became big there was a ton of women writers at the time there were black directors blacks cast you know they were making black movies and it just because no one they didn't think it was serious they were like it's not a big deal and then when it came to like preservation of those films they didn't preserve them so it's like those got lost in history essentially which is just really really sad just uh, like every I'm sorry but everything else in this country. sorry sorry yeah. <laughs> they're trying to get rid of Turner Classic Movies right now and Turner Classic Movies oh. they take the time to try to you know preserve so many of those those yeah. movies that are so important to our history and they're trying to take funding away from that it's just it's insane I don't I don't get it I don't get it. At it all. is, you know what? It 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 doesn't. I don't get it either. But I mean, there's also a lot of things that are happening in, this, <laughs> in our country that I don't get too. But but it's all it's similar to like you know banning of books and you know things yeah. like that. It's like these things are. This is history. It's important to to know and to exactly and to have accessible for everyone for no matter what age you are. But like you know, even this this younger generation needs to be aware of of. Of, of these things like they just do they need yeah. they need actual education they need actual history no matter how hard it is to see or watch or read it's yeah. important it a hundred percent I yeah and I think we all need to know how we got here as a country and that's not just from a white narrative you know there exactly. were so many different people exactly. that came here that helped build this country yeah. willingly unwillingly but they still made a dent into where we are and their stories deserve to be told and it's unfortunate like that within our society that they even try to like have different groups you know play them against each other instead of for us to you know they're is enough room at the table, but the lie is that the table only has a certain amount of seats and that's not true. And I think the more of us that realize that there is enough room for all of us to prosper, I think that will break down a lot of things, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, to, to piggyback off that, that, you know, I remember when Crazy Rich Asians came out and I remember a lot of, of my, my white actor friends, male and female, who are all wonderful people and, and allies and are in support of, you know, of all the diverse, of all the equality and diverse casting that's, that's going on. But I remember back when that, when that came out and the, the, the shift in the in- entertainment industry just start, like just started yeah. to where, you know, now they're starting to open up to, you know, Asian Americans in you know, lead roles and, and Latinas and lead role, you know, like we had only seen it sporadically before that we had never seen Asian Americans really in lead roles yet right other than that unless it was specifically you know in like an Asian storyline right you know but you know I remember them saying oh well 
when when we started to experience that shift in terms of casting and things that we were auditioning for, you know, a lot of my my white actor friends were like, well, you know, you know, it's this is, you know, it's great, you know, everything's kind of everything's ethnic now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I go, that's what, and to, and from their perspective, they weren't meaning it or intending it, right? You know, to be offensive. But so what I would tell them, I go, I go. Here's the thing, I go. It's not that all the roles now are for ethnic actors. What's happening is there's a balancing out. Right. It's not that there's more for us and less for you. It's just that we are now balancing it out because you guys have been experiencing ninety percent of the piece of the pie the entire time. Right. And reading for not just for the lead roles, but the supporting lead roles, the small roles, the co-star, we'd be lucky if we even got, if we snuck in there here and there for the smaller stuff. But, and so now you're seeing, you know, that they're starting to, you know, like open up and now everyone's being welcomed at the table because there really are enough seats at the table. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the, the thought process of that, something is mine and it's being taken away. You know, I always tell people to question that feeling. Why do, first of all, why do you feel like it was yours to have in the first place that you have to delve into? And secondly, there were so many people, like if we think about the Oscars and best actors and all this stuff, it wasn't best actors. It was best actors in a very small pool because some people never got the opportunity to even get in the pool, you know? So I personally, if I'm a competitive person and I want to be the best at my my game, whatever that may be, I want to make sure I'm competing against the best. And that's not sure. what was happening or yeah. still isn't happening. Which is exactly why we never saw more diverse actors being nominated this whole time. Yep. Because we weren't we weren't competing in that same pool. Yeah. There were very different pools going on, you know? There there just was. And and I'll I'll never forget when when Crazy Rich Asians came out. And literally people would tell me, oh, well, it must be a great time for you because of crazy rich Asians. And I go, and I thought about, I was like, because of one movie, right? A block that was actually a blockbuster hit, right? One. And And I would, yeah. And I sit there and go, think about that guys, because of (laughs) one movie, one, (laughs) one, one. How many have you had? Oh, it's like you probably can't count because there's so many. <laughs> right. And even with Crazy Rich Asian, Asians, which was a great movie, but so like great. the other, the part of the, the piece of the puzzle that's happening now that we can stream and we have access to international mm-hmm. content is that any of the K drama girlies right here? We've been <laughs> we've been seeing this. Like that was yeah. great, yeah. but it wasn't anything new for us. Sure. And also, like, there's just so many more stories that I wish we could tell from the American Asian lens of just living. Like, it doesn't have to, like, your identity doesn't have to be the whole point of the story. I like that it was a fish out of water story. And it, it did tell a different story from how maybe Asians look at Asian Americans and how that's, there's a very different dichotomy there, but yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, okay, 
but we want more. People love K-dramas. They are going and watching things in other languages because they want to see that diversity on the screen. And it's not just K-dramas. There's, it's, oh yeah. Every, yeah, it's so much. Yeah. But like, that's a really good example of, of, of that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's like, it's, well, here, the thing is with crazy rich Asians, like that was very much, you know, intended or made as to be a blockbuster. So it was mainstream as a blockbuster. So you have certain entertainment elements in there that were done specifically for that. But if you, did you see beef? I watched, yeah, I watched some of it. Yeah. Okay. See, I think beef is such an excellent example of, of what you're you're talking about here we had we have an all asian american cast and it was normal it was not like they were all normal people just existing within right. this within this story that you know it wasn't about it wasn't really necessarily the storyline wasn't necessarily about them being asian and why asian this and why asian right. that it was it was just it was a a human story where the actors portraying and telling this story were all Asian American. And right. it's and like, had we seen more of that just normalized on t- in TV and film and with every race, to be honest with you, you know, yeah. had we, had we always had that, like, like, you know, we sit there and go here, ha ha, see, it works. This is a big success. This would have worked a long time ago too. It could have, it could have been working this whole time. Yeah. A hundred percent. So it's nice that yeah. we're finally starting to see this all come into fruition. So, yeah. And I, and I hope it stays because one thing I can say, or that I've noticed is that we have these bursts of diversity. Everyone's tuned into diversity and then like a backlash of it. I just found out the other day that in 1999, the NAACP actually threatened the Hollywood studios because I think the fir- the 26 new shows that were hitting the airways had like not one like ethnic minority lead or supporting character at all. 26 shows. And so they got really, really pissed and it, it, it just kind of forced the hand of the studios that they had to invest into diversity which is kind of what we saw after the after 2020 and you can kind of see that in some ways they're potentially trying to you know backpedal on that too like as if oh people have forgotten about that at this point and I had I had no idea that's what happened because I started you know I used to watch WB like religiously which is why I knew okay she's been on Buffy she's been on Dawson's Creek I've seen it all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like we know her I know and it's actually the actor I can't remember his name right off the top of my head but he was the uh, lead on Angel and he did a video just recently about affirmative action and he's like because of that whole thing that was the only reason that mo- yeah. that he got that role and I was like I-, I had no idea I just was like okay Angel Getting diverse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, you know, it's it's like part of, it's it's bittersweet, you know. It's one of those that like that it's a shame that it it took that kind of a battle. Right. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, affirmative action serves a wonderful purpose, you know, and so it, you know, it's, it's very bittersweet. And and so it's but now, you know, it's it's so funny because 
even now today, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, it's balancing out. All I, all I see is, is diverse, you know, in, in every TV show and in every, you know, commercial and blah, blah, blah. And, and I go, okay, I go, so what, what do you, so you're, so to you in your eyes, it's important to, to bring this up because even a lot, again, a lot of my white actor friends still think that, you know, everything is going to actors of color. And I say, whoa, 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 let's take a look at the percentages here. And let's take a look at what markets, you know, we have right. broadcast, yeah, broadcast network television. Take a look at the leads on all the broadcast, all the network television shows, which ones out of, you know, the, the leads, the mm -hmm. leads are still 75% mm -hmm. white, 75% yeah. white, you know, and then of course, then you have the streaming platforms and I will admit they, those are definitely by far, far more diversified. And we're starting to see that more and more. Yeah. However, I still see a large number of the, the first two leads, the first three leads are still all white. And then, you know, right. the, the, they throw their, their Asian in there. They throw their, <laughs> you know, their black in there. They're, they're, they're right. Latina in there. They're Indian. Who's usually in like a recurring role or something, right. mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and you know, so we're, we've made progress. We're on the right path, but we're nowhere near right. the actual balancing out. We're getting there, but it's going to be a, you know, a slow, a slow journey. Yeah. And there's nuance to it too, that I think if you look at it from face value, yes, it might look like there's way more diversity, but you have to look at it from front of house, back of house. They're yep. still behind the scenes. They're still, if you get, if yeah. you're investing in diversity in the front and um, on camera, that means that those people need to be supported because yeah. unfortunately, until the education system gets to a place where from an empathetic standpoint that we are trying to have empathy of what the other person's experience and live life is, if you yeah. have that big disconnect, you can have someone who's diverse in your cast and you're not making it a comfortable environment for them. You're writing yeah. for them and you're still writing from a white lens and yeah. you're not having their hair done by someone that understands their hair or their yep. makeup or my lighting. Eyes. I need my eyes to pop. Like, yes. you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. lighting on darker hues of mm -hmm. shades of skin that those things are important and so because people have tunnel vision they don't realize there's just so much progress that need needs to be made someone's like well so a white person can't write for a black actor I'm not saying that but right. they have to be committed to understanding where this character is coming from and their background and would they say something that authentically in that way right right mm -hmm. in other words not not just the not just a narrative from a white person's perspective of what right. they think yes. of, of how they think that you know that black character would talk or how they think that they would deal with it it has to if you really want to be authentic and this is a writer's process too is they do their research you know right. they really got to wherever their story is coming from, they, they, they got to be willing to dive deep into those experiences. If to be able to write that authentically, you have to also then research it authentically. Yeah. You know, but you're right. It is. We're, we're getting to we're on the right path. We're, <laughs> we're on, on the, the right path. path. We yeah. are. And I think for so many people, you know, just for your experience, 
people in our age range or that got to see you growing up, you play a very key pivotal role in moving that forward. Because sometimes if we don't see that something is possible, we can't actually go for it, right? But now you have a whole generation of people who grew up seeing that you actually were in these roles and knowing that that's a possibility for them. So just know that you get to live in that piece of history of, of doing that for so many people. Hearing that, it, it, I, get emo- I get emotional. Like, you know, like I was saying before, when these when I had total strangers walk up to me saying, you were the only representation I had in TV and film, you know, and, it, and like hearing hearing Asian American actresses who I used to see at auditions, you know, walk up to me like, I just, I just need to give you a hug right now because I didn't think that this was going to be possible for, for me to be able to be here auditioning for roles. And now to see you, the person that helped be a, the person that was a pioneer and who helped pave the way for Asian Americans in, in this industry, to be able to be seen as an American actress in mainstream TV and film, like you made this possible for me. Like that brings me to tears. Like it, it's, that's, you know, if I die tomorrow, that is the one thing that I can take with me and be like, I had, I had purpose, you know? Yeah. Well, you, well, I mean, you being on the show just made two very (laughs) happy millennials. So (laughs) we're very happy about that. And and we talked about bringing it on. We talked about Clueless, but Jackie, one of our favorite movies as just like a part of our friendship is Can't Hardly Wait. And that movie, like there's every, it feels like almost every star at that time period was in that movie. It was, it was amazing. How was it being on that set? You said that's exactly, that was the intention. The, yeah. I remember when they were casting it, I was actually offered that role. And so they literally put out a breakdown release specifically seeking actors. And for me, I think it, it was, would the, the reps, would the, would the reps of the actress who played, who played Summer in Clueless, please contact us. <laughs> And, yeah. But they, they did it for a ton of actors, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like none of us are hard to find. Like half <laughs> like, knew our agents, you know? And, but it was just so funny because, and they, it, it was just a bunch of straight offers. They literally wanted to put all of young Hollywood at the time in one movie. Yeah. And they did. And it, the movie was originally called The Party. So it was, it was literally like one big party. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was so much fun. Like when we did it for the podcast, we, you know, back then there were people that we already recognized, but now watching it, so many people have had their career trajectory is even crazier. So, you know, it's just such a fun watch. It's such a simple concept, but it's, it is. And it's so the message, there's something very nostalgic about that film that just hits you, you know, and, and, it just, it's a feel good movie. It's, you know, it's sweet. It's romantic. It's fantasized, but it's also, and it's funny. And, and it's just, it, I think every, I think it's a movie that everybody can relate to during, to some degree during yes. that time, during that time in age in their life. So the movie was such a blast. Like my scene with Seth Green, <laughs> I mean, what a great scene. I mean, right? So, like, and here I am crying and, oh, I'm just going to sleep with the next guy who talks to me. And then, oh, how convenient. There's Seth Green. So, but I mean, how, 
how fun. Like it was just so much fun. So much fun. And Leslie Grossman, oh, she's hilarious. Oh, she's so great. She's good. <laughs> she's so nice. She was so funny. She's basically exactly how you think she would be. And in, in per- she really is like just funny and lovely and brilliant because she writes too and directs too, I think. I think she's directed, but she's anyway, she is like the everyone woman. Like she literally is doing it all and she's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's also funny that we bring it on and can't hardly wait. I don't know if it was just that there were so many people in that cast either way. And that so many people ended up guesting on, on Buffy, but the connection yeah. there is insane. I know that you got to be on the show and you played one of Cordelia's. I, I get the blood know. sucked out of me. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, I guess, a, I guess a Cordette. Okay. It's so funny to me because I kid you not every, almost every podcast I do. There's always, there's always, you know, the, the Buffy fanatics, right. That yeah. literally have seen the the whole series a million times. And every single one of them always brings up exactly what you just said. <laughs> but, no, but how, but they, how they relate Buffy to every credit on an actor's resume, and I'm like, that's it's like it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. Exactly. And they do it with Buffy. Yeah. All it, you guys do that. I love it. <laughs> I I am obsessed, obsessed with Buffy, and my mom. I don't know what we were talking about. I was like, if I ever got Sarah Michelle Geller on the show, I think I would pass out because <laughs> I just really just that show. I think it resonated with so many young girls because yeah. Oh yeah. It, they did a really good job of just taking the themes of the scary things that happen to you as you're growing up and, and, and using vampires and, and things yeah. that go bump in the night as metaphors for it. Yeah. It was just a really empowering show for women, you know, like here's this tiny little girl. We really didn't have that. We didn't know. We really didn't have that before then. And you're right. She was tiny. She's she's teeny tiny. She's petite. (laughs) Yeah. And, and like, that was just so empowering for all young girls, you know, you'll see, wow, this lead character and, oh, she can hold her own. She's tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she can fight, she can fight all the demons off and, and. And you're right, all, all the different, you know, underlying messages and all the metaphors and the vampires representing all our fears. And it's just, you know, that's, I didn't really think to look at it that way until you just said it. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think at the time, people thought it was just like a silly vampire show, it was stupid, you know. But it had, I mean, there are some things that are cringe about it now, but that's anything from that time period. Sure, yeah. But I think it lasts for as long as it did because it mm-hmm. played with so many themes that maybe other shows didn't really dive into. And it didn't treat its audience like it was dumb. That was the right. other thing, you know? Yeah. And I think now we're looking at fantasy with appreciation when we have like Game of Thrones, but that show, you know, paved the way yeah. for a lot of these shows to exist, you know? We really didn't have that before. You're right. That was kind of the first of its kind, really. Yeah, it was still is in my heart. I I mean, I literally know people. I have good friends who I kid you not, at least once a year, will rewatch the entire series from beginning to end every season. And I'm like, how? Same with Dawson Creek people. Yeah. The Creekers. (laughs) 
I don't even, I don't even know if that's what they're called, but it's the <laughs> funniest thing to me. I'm like, oh my God, I never knew that until I started doing podcasts. <laughs> like, oh my God, they're everywhere. Like they really are like diehard. There are people that watch Buffy and Dawson's Creek from beginning to end every season. They have to do it once or twice a year. Uh, we're, we are obsessed with a show called Veronica Mars. So we rewatched that one and yeah, Veronica um, Mars is our, our, show. our thing and the OC, the, yes. those two shows, a hundred percent. Love it. I, uh, th- those are two shows that I actually did not work on. <laughs> I'm just going to start like just placing your picture in them as I rewatch. Yes. I'll take a please, picture. Okay, good. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Who knew? She was in my city. I'll take credit. Great. That's great. I'm fine with it. I, I won't correct you. I will not correct you at all by any means. Do you keep in touch with any of your previous co-stars from any of your projects? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Claire Kramer and I, uh, you know, from bring it on her and I still are in touch. In fact, her and I are actually teaming up to do like a, a live autograph signing event coming up this Thursday. I yeah, I do. I still keep, I loosely keep in touch with, with some of the cast of bring it on. I still keep in touch with, oh my God, now that you're asking me, oh, Elisa Donovan from Oh yeah. yeah her yeah. and I have been loosely in touch on, on social media. Like, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've definitely, you know, hey here and there from a lot of jobs actually that I've I've worked on so that's cool I I think it's great because you know there's like this 90s 2000s resurgence happening right now which is just we're living for it a hundred percent we're going to 90s con in in September so very excited I'm hoping to go there could you please (gasps) so get this so it's so funny because the so my my appearance rep has been in touch with them and we've been trying, we've been trying to work on it. And Claire's going, Claire Kramer's going as well. And so apparently it, it looks good, but we're trying to get them to say yes. So can yeah. we start a campaign? Yes. Can we just start I, a camp- yeah. campaign to get me there? Because <laughs> if you think about it, I'm like, wait a minute, I've got, I'm like, you'd think I was like, I'd be like their, their main, yeah. their niche. Yeah. Because of all my things that I've done, you know, that'd be right. like, but we, but we're, and maybe they're just caught up and just busy, but we're trying to get them to say an official yes. Cause I would yeah. love to go. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We would we love will, for you to be um, there. We will be DMing them. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I'm just going to like, you can know, comments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like badger them, send so many messages, find out their, their phone number. If you like text them, I don't care. Do whatever it takes. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. We, that would be so amazing. Yeah. One of our followers actually wrote that Courtney and Whitney walked so that Brittany and Santana on Glee could run. And I a hundred percent agree with that statement. Oh. Yeah, that's I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so I I love. I mean, God, bring it on. Definitely. I mean, bring it on was like college for me because I I didn't go. I moved to LA right after high school, but that was like my college experience. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, God, that movie was truly such a blessing in my career in my personal life. That really did so many huge beautiful things for me in in all areas of my life like that movie was um definitely a time that it's if if there was one credit that you know I'd be like what's what's the one that really made had the most impact on you I'd probably say bring it on yeah I love that if we're gonna do a campaign it's not any more of these sequels which god bless them I, I don't have a problem but come on I want a sequel to the OG you guys are at a like a sweet spot where you can have like 
kids or, you know, and have that generation kind of That's what, well, there's something. Talk. There's talk about it. Apparently there's been talks about it for a while. I guess, I guess they, they want to do a remake all original cast. Gabrielle Union's down. I think Kirsten Dunst, I believe, is down as well. Like we're all up for it. I we're think Peyton we're Reed waiting. is up for it too. I, I we're just that. waiting to hear from them. Be like, I'm ready. In fact, you know what? Regardless of Courtney and Whitney have daughters that are cheerleading, you know, <laughs> I want to still do a routine. Yeah. I, can, I can still do the splits, damn it. I can still <laughs> oh my gosh, awesome. make, make us do a competition. I still want to show the people, hey, we still got it, okay? <laughs> I, but I can so see you guys, like, just maybe it's just alumni. They have to call everybody back because, you know, the school maybe has fallen from grace from the years that they, you guys were at the top of your game. You have to come back and you're like, let me show you how we used to do it. I could so see you guys Wouldn't doing that something so, like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Would that not or be so funny? Like co-coaches, but yes. if you push the girls, like the, the actual teenagers out of the way, like, let us show you how it's done. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, good. I could so see you guys being co-coaches and yes, totally. like there's a scandal that happens and, and people are like, going to be called back in. Like, like, like one of the girls in the, they break their leg. Oh, I'll step in for them. Exactly. To come, I try to pull off being one of the teams. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be so funny. Well, speaking of the nineties, 2000 resurgence, you are on the show cruel summer on yeah. Freeform, And that's definitely a throwback to the nineties. How is it being on that show? What does it feel like kind of replaying this error that you've already, you know, been in, I guess. That <laughs> show was so, so great because like, well, for, it was set, it was taking place in the summers of 93, summer of 94 and summer of 95. And, and it's funny because I think someone, someone had made a joke when we were shooting saying, wouldn't it be funny is because I'm only seen in the year 95 in the summer of 95. Cause that's when Jeanette, you know, we go through the whole law, the, the lawsuit and everything. Yeah. And, and, but wouldn't it be funny? Cause since Clueless came out in 95, wouldn't yeah. it, be, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been funny to see Denise, my character, like walking by like a billboard of, you know, advertisement <laughs> for Clueless being yes, out. That would um, be but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I just, that'd be a little funny, funny nod, but, but talk about a trippy blast of the past of like, even the wardrobe fittings, like the shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God bless shoulder pads, right? And like <laughs> trying on trying on jewelry and going, I used to have these. Yes. I used to wear these in high school. You know, so like trippy. it's so trippy. Like there was necklaces, like I had this exact necklace, you know, and of course the shoulder pads and just shoes and just it was just, it was so wild. And then you get on set and you have your younger actors who are looking at a a tape cassette player going, Oh, is this a phone? They had no <laughs> idea what a tape cassette player was. And then you go, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and you're like, there it is. There it is. Okay. <laughs> well, before we let you go, because you've been very gracious with your time, are there any other projects that are in the works that we should be looking out for or checking out and supporting you? I'm trying to think what is, well, is, you know, we're in a writer strike right now. So nobody, oh, nobody's really right. working right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a writer strike, and also too, you know, what now we have a pending actor strike that our our negotiation deal just got extended to July twelfth. Um, so pending 
you know, what happens with that. It, you know, there's there's a lot of things up in the air, but we're still anticipating strikes nonetheless. And yeah. and they're they're expected to be going on for a bit. So yeah, we'll so see hopefully you at 90s con. Yes. yes. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yes. That's what <laughs> we're pushing for. We've I got... mean, do if you need to, you know, to fly there and and harass them. We got to find a way to make this happen because I would love to go. And I know, I just think it'd be so much fun. I'm going to know a lot of people there as well. I just think it would be a blast. Let's make that happen too. Because I I want to be on there. I have a friend who goes every year for Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And she's like, oh, there's so much fun. She's like, how are you not there? I'm like, that's an excellent question. I I need you to be there. I need you to be there. So much fun. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social and engage with your content? Yes. Okay. So Instagram is my main platform and I am at the Nicole Bilderback. I am on Facebook for fun, shits and giggles. And that is Nikki Bilderback. And then I'm on TikTok, but I don't really post a whole lot, but I'm the Nicole Bilderback on TikTok as well. So. Well, I hope that you're seeing some of the fan videos for you on TikTok because there are quite a few. So I have seen, I've seen quite a, yeah, I've seen some people, friends sending me all the time. There's some really good ones out there. Yeah. <laughs> like they learn the whole routines and everything. And I'm like, how did you learn that? Just from watching it. <laughs> it took me four weeks to learn a whole routine. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, and Make sure you guys follow us at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube for more 90s and 2000s content. And don't forget to listen to our Bring It On episode now live on the podcast where we give some wonderful behind the scenes goodness and as usual, our hot takes on the movie. Thank you ladies so much. It was so much fun. We're just so so thankful that you joined us really and truly. It was, it was amazing. Any, anytime. And as always, be kind and rewind.